Hello, my name is Océane. I come from Martinia and you are listening to Radio Carom. You're listening to Rowan Prant Method, where we talk all things fitness, mindset, well-being, performance, and lifestyle design so that you can live a high-performance life. We're actually changing that definition uh, because we're pretty much just going to have people on that I want to talk to about topics that I find interesting. So we're going to be expanding that to all different genres, all different demographics. So stay tuned for some exciting developments. On today's episode, we have Brett Kosnett, who is a holistic health and nutritional therapist. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thanks for having me, mate. It's great to be here. Great to have you here as well, mate. So we were talking about what you have for lunch. Now, there is obviously a very good reason for that. Yeah. You've uh, had an interesting journey, a lot of experience in the fitness industry, a lot of experience with gut health and your own personal adventures, plus working with clients. Do you mind giving us a bit of your background, obviously starting out as a PT, running a gym, all sorts of things, and how you got to this particular point? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I started off as a gym rat when I was a you know teenager, just training myself and... Um, Went into out of school, I was going to go into finance and then uh, quickly changed into exercise sports science at uni because I thought, you know, this is what I want to do as a job. Um, and then just started doing, yeah, courses around, you know, training and stuff and ended up started personal training around 2011, 2012. Um, and was just going out of the gym there and then uh, opened our own facility uh, with my brother in, in 2014. Um, personal training studio, mostly doing one-on-one and some small group training. Um, ran that from 2014 to 2021, so seven or eight years. We did that um, and got into the gut stuff. I had my own gut issues in starting in 2017. Just started reacting to foods and uh, not having you know any energy and couldn't train and had these you know really pretty uh, you know rough symptoms out of the blue. No, no gut related symptoms. It wasn't like you know people get bloating and diarrhea and stuff like that. It was just all this energy related fatigue related stuff. Mm. Uh, and figured it out to found a, a mentor um, who helped me through blood work and figured out it was a you know serious gut issue and that put me on the road to you know healing my own gut and and then through that thought you know I've got to learn this stuff um, you know blood work he, he owned a gym himself actually but but he's been very heavily focused on the blood work really that was more of a side thing but but the blood work was his main focus and was you know extremely good at that and so I mentored with him and um, you know, done a lot of other stuff since then, and 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 obviously, you know, gut health and and the blood work side of things has been my focus the last couple of years. Um, and and did it with clients while well, I had it the last few years from 2019 to 2021 at the gym. Um, you know, did that for clients as well as they're doing their PT. We do blood work for them as well. Yeah. So, did you get to the root cause of your gut issues? What caused it? Because obviously, you were very health conscious. You were in the fitness industry, training regularly. Yeah. So what that's the thing. To- I think I think it's very common in the fitness industry that, that people live healthily, but yeah. they're living a lifestyle that is not good for their gut. So I was, uh, you know, doing too much, working too much, um, not enough sleep, training very hard. Um, eating restrictive, you know, sort of diet. These are all considered healthy things, but over time they can accumulate damage in the gut. So, you know, like if you're in gym, you know, you sort of, you're up at, you know, uh, 4.30 to, you know, do the first sessions and then you do your clients and then you're uh, working at marketing sales in the middle of the day or, you know, doing stuff with your staff. Mm-hmm. And then you get yourself in a hard training session in the middle of the day and then you might go home, have a nap or whatever, and then you go back to the gym and in the PM and do some more sessions and then come home, get your food ready and do it all again. Yeah. And then, you know, in my early 20s, I was doing that. And then on the weekend, you go out drinking with your mates and stuff as well and have a, have a big night out. And so, uh, and then in between, you're trying to educate yourself and upskill yourself as well. And, and uh, over time, uh, you know, that's, that's, you, you, you get this, you know, too much stress and allostatic yeah. load. And yeah, the gut takes a beating. And, um, yeah, so that, it just accumulates over, over years and then it's at a certain point the symptoms hit um, but that process has been in place already, you know, for a good number of years before you get those bad symptoms. Yeah. So obviously with the allostatic stress and the sympathetic nervous system, how does that specifically impact the gut? Because we've had a lot of people talking about the sympathetic nervous mm-hmm. system, the need to really activate the parasympathetic nervous system. We've talked about the compounding effects of stress overall mm-hmm. but no one's really addressed how it impacts the gut. A lot of people would probably reflect on their diet might not be the best, maybe mm-hmm. too much alcohol. These things sort of come as a common thought when it comes to gut health. Yeah, yeah. But how specifically do these other areas of the life, like stress, like poor sleep, how do they impact the gut? Well, if you think about so you've got the sympathetic, sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system. Um, the parasympathetic nervous system, you think, well, rest and digest, right? Yeah. So I think I said to you before the show, you know, the gut lining replaces itself like roughly every four days. Yeah. 
And it's a thing of one is, is blood flow. So if you are stuck just when we eat, when people eat in a stressed out state, um, if we're not relaxed and not folk, you know, we're always distracted. We don't have the blood flow going to those digestive organs to start with. Mm. Um, we won't produce as much saliva, which is where digestion starts. You know, so if you're like, if you're not, not focused on the te- you know, looking in your work and stuff, and just shovel food in your mouth, you don't produce as much saliva. You don't produce as much stomach acid. You won't produce as much bile, and you won't produce as much pancreatic enzymes. Mm. So already you've you know harmed your digestion just by being distracted and, and stressed not you're not you don't feel stressed right yeah but you're doing other things and you're certainly you're not present in the process of eating exactly yeah like if you go back to you know if you're eating a meal in your home in the 1700s there's not much to be distracted by mm. yeah you just you're just there you eat your meal you might have some kids in the background that's it but but you know there's not much else going on right so you know we're always yeah so that so the stress thing you know the process of digestion itself and the secretions of these of these acids and bile and enzymes and all that um, and then you know, the blood flow to those organs. Uh, so that's that's where it starts. And then we've got the, um, I suppose the, you know, the the hormonal effects and the brain being distracted. Um, you know, just just so we've got the stress in the moment, the acute stress, and then you've got the chronic stress. You know, that occurs over days. Um, and you know, just from people not getting enough sleep, I mean, that's that's when all the you know recovery pl- process takes place. Um, the gut is constantly trying to. Uh, manage or bring down inflammation like it's a very you know 70% of the nervous system is surrounded by the gut um, and it's a constant you know process of, of you know things are trying to get in through the gut lining into the into the bloodstream and the immune system is trying to stop that um, bacteria communicating with the you know with the immune system and stress so just for example one one night of uh, bad sleep or limited sleep will increase the damage and inflammation within the gut you know you can measure it with blood markers yeah, yeah. so so um if that process that's one night fine you get you get you know you, you recover um but it, it's the accumulated damage of you know months and years of that it's uh you raised some very interesting points because i think of so many entrepreneurs busy business people personal trainers etc scoffing yeah. down food every chance they get you know between a client or between a zoom call whatever it may be yep. they're not really present or mindfully eating or exactly, enjoying yeah. the eating experience and putting that other layer in looking about all the enzymes and things that come into play in saliva and things to process the food you know it's, it's often overlooked i don't think a lot of people would actually consider that it's just i'm getting my food in i have energy i can keep going yeah and looking at stress as well you're talking about you know the allostatic load a lot of people they live in the sympathetic nervous system our society is governed by the sympathetic nervous system pretty much we're in a constant state of scanning for threats all the time so yeah. we've had a lot of people talking about tapping into the parasympathetic but as i said no one's really explored how that affects the gut and would love to to uh, explain how the gut impacts the rest of our overall health yeah well it's um it, you know been amazed how many conditions or or symptoms that we get that uh you know come back to the gut it's it's sort of like uh i don't want to say the master controller because it's not really the master controller but it the flow and effects you know to everything else are huge um and it's one of the, the the first things to go so you know we've often heard in health circles like inflammation is the cause of many diseases right so we talk about you know diabetes heart disease alzheimer's um autoimmune conditions like rheumatoid arthritis um multiple sclerosis they're all you know disease of inflammation you know that's the common yeah. you know well, inflammation begins in the gut, right? So that's, you know, so when bacteria, so there's two main causes that, that lead on to these, all these other symptoms, you know, energy issues, sleep issues, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the damage to the gut line itself and then the imbalance or out of whack of the bacteria. So, we you know, we've got all these bacteria in our gut, right? We've yep. got, you know, 30 trillion bacteria or whatever it is. Um when we lose diversity or have overgrowth of certain species, they're actually communicating to our immune system all the time. Our immune system was always listening and um, responding to metabolites and you know what these bacteria are doing. And so, when they get out of whack, our immune system you know senses that and it makes it uh, not work the way it normally would. Mm. So there's that factor, and then you know we get if we get uh, damage, and then we get you know. A rising of these inflammatory molecules like you know c-reactive protein um you know all these interleukins interleukin 6 um all these tnf alpha all these all these inflammatory markers that you can measure in the blood and cytokines uh they start 
the process when we have this this uh, damage to the gut lining that doesn't get better, or it's 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 constantly replacing itself, right? So you can think of it as it's getting damaged to a greater extent than it can repair itself. Yeah, okay. Does that make sense? I think that correlates to a lot of things in life, whether it's not repairing at the same ratio that the damage is being done. Yeah, you look at muscle, like muscle building, yeah? Like, you know, the, the, when people are trying to, you know, make gains in the gym and, and grow muscle, you know, we're just trying to build slightly more muscle than we break down yeah. each day, that, that process. Obviously, if it goes in the reverse, then we, then we lose muscle and weight. It's amazing how many people don't realise they're permanently living in a catabolic state and they don't acknowledge that they get bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful when they actually rest. Exactly, yeah. It's a, it's a very commonly overlooked thing. Now, I know so many people that are living on painkillers, living on anti-inflammatories. Oh, they're the worst, yeah. Yeah, and that yeah. actually has a negative impact on the gut lining as well, correct? It does. Like when they do studies, for example, in rats, like they're trying to examine, say they're trying to examine a remedy for leaky gut. You know, I say, what, what is this thing, you know, how does it repair leaky gut? Well, to damage them in the first place, they use aspirin or anti-inflammatories. That's yeah. what they use to damage the gut to a, you know, to a bad point, and then and then and we're going to test if this thing actually fixes it. Wow. So that works. It's that effective at damaging the gut lining. They literally use it to induce damage to study gut people damage. are living on them like skittles. Yeah, they're um, they're full on. Um, even if they don't cause like most people think, oh, I don't have an ulcer, I don't get internal bleeding, it's fine. But um, I mean, if you need them for a short term, that's fine. But but uh, people have them on an empty stomach or um, too regularly, you know. Yeah. Or yeah, it's just it's just it's just the overuse. Yeah. Well, I know many people that are struggling with that. So, what are some things that people can do to bring down inflammation, not only with the gut, but I imagine will have an effect over the entire body anyway. So, what are some things that we can do? Elimination diets. Yeah. Is it as simple as popping a probiotic or a digestive enzyme, which a lot of people out there would hope? I uh, know. Unfortunately, not. I mean, probiotics. You know, very specific to the person and the situation. So, you know, people think uh, gut health is a fiber or a probiotic, but they can make people, some people worse depending on the situation if they if that probiotic or fiber is not going to be beneficial. Um, so fiber can be good. Probiotics can be good. Very dependent on the situation. Best way to reduce inflammation is, yeah, well, one is, is remove inflammatory foods, right? So certain foods, generally the more processed, um, the food is the worst, you know, it's going to be. But, you know, gluten is, is quite inflammatory in a lot of people. Um you know, high amount. I mean, you know, trans fats, which you know, they, they, they don't, they're not in the diet much anymore, to be honest. But, but you know, fried foods, obviously. Yeah. But all those, and then it depends. People, some people are more sensitive to foods than others, so some people are going to have to eliminate more than others. Like, I don't think dairy is bad food at all, but some people are going to be better without it. Yeah. So generally, with an elimination diet, you know, you want to remove as many, you know, trigger potential trigger foods as possible. Like some people, nightshades, which is like your eggplant, your potato. Um, peppers, things like that. Like they're not bad foods. Like, uh, you know, potato's great. Mm. But if someone's having issues, then that can be something that you can trial out. It's funny, my daughter, well, not funny, but my daughter had severe eczema when she was younger. Yeah, and right. I did a bit of lim uh, elimination diet and the normal things, dairy, gluten, all the things that you would normally consider. This is going back 10 years ago when she was a baby. Sure. And we finally figured it out that it was salicylate. Oh, really? And I thought, obviously, yeah. fruit, veggies, the works. And it turned out to be the absolute worst thing specifically for her. So, yeah. yes, broccoli is a superfood for many people. But for many people that have salicylating uh, sensitivities, it's an absolutely horrific thing for them to have. Absolutely, yeah. It's very um, specific, What you know, which is why it needs to be, you know, I suppose, individualized. And the thing with food sensitivities and foods that, you, that you're triggered to, they change very quickly over time. So, you can be reactive to a food and then six months later – uh, you know, it'll be it'll be fine. But generally, if you're the more foods you react to, that means the more likely you're going to have some sort of gut damage going on. Yeah. Okay. So it, you can actually improve your tolerance to inflammatory foods or foods that are not really good for your constitution by improving your gut health. Absolutely. Yeah. And and like we're talking about, so you know, I said the immune system is talking to the gut microbiome. So the immune system itself can become overly sensitive, you know, to these foods. So. If you improve not just the gut lining, so you've got the healing of the gut lining, but the bacteria themselves, yeah. the immune system, if it's, if it's communicating well and, and the bacteria in a you know, good balance, good diversity, not overgrowth of bad bacteria, then you don't tend to react to those foods. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, and some people with stress too, like a lot of people, including myself previously, when I, I used to get bad eczema from foods as well. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I'd be working at the gym and I'd be eating a you know, restrictive diet when I had these gut issues because they would cause me eczema go on holiday three days in the holiday oh, i don't react to that food anymore yeah so the stress and manifest in extra and other things that sensitivity to the food that's right but yeah so the food i'm having the same food but because i'm not in a stress state the reaction is not there isn't it funny like 
how you actually interpret experiences and things you're actually going through and how that impacts you physiologically. Absolutely. So it's a very interesting thing to look at. So most people out there take a cookie-cutter approach to pretty much anything in life, particularly health. Mm -hmm. One size does not fit all. So how do people figure it out? Is it through trial and error? Do they need to enlist in a coach? What do they do? Is it on the blood markers that you're talking about? Yeah, so I mean, I do blood. I mean, there's lots of things people can do themselves. I mean, I mean, just making lifestyle improvements is going to help, right? Like reducing stress, improving your sleep, um, all the staples, all the staples, circadian rhythm, getting up, going to bed at the same time, eating better. That you know, all that stuff is there. Um, I mean, if you still have specific issues or issues that are you know, going beyond those those sort of basic interventions, well, then you need to look deeper. And, and, and bloods is one of the, uh, I suppose, best ways to do it. You can do other things, like you can do stool testing as well. Yeah. Um, I I mean, bloods are good because they're easily available and they're cheap. You know, like in Australia, you get a doctor's appointment mm. and doctors will run bloods. Um, they're not very thorough with the blood tests that they do, though. How do you get them to do the specific things that you would be looking yeah. at? Yeah. So, I mean, I have a letter that I give to clients, you know, requesting the bloods. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, doctors still often leave a bunch out, which is fine. Then, you know, I, I get it. Like, it's the system. Like, they have to uh, have a reasonable reason to order blood tests. So, you know, because it's on Medicare, Medicare's paying for it. So, if Medicare gets up their butt and says, why are you ordering all these blood tests? They have to have a reason. Mm. So if the, you know, if my client, if they go in and have a bunch of symptoms, that helps a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because then we'll have got reason. Where if someone goes, I feel great, I want to order 55 blood tests. Yeah. It's like, well, what do you, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, the squeaky wheel gets the oil in the medical system. So yeah, that's you right. have to sort of play it up a little bit it, if you want them to look into anything. That's right. You know, like you're a bit tired, maybe your libido is not that good. Yeah. You know, maybe you're not feeling so great, you know, um, and that's going to help you get those blood tests. But also you can order, um, you can order them privately now, which is great. There's, um, you got to pay, obviously, but but it's good. You know, it was it used to be a thing? You had, the only way to do it was to go through the docs. Whereas now, if you want to, you know, you can get. I think you can get a pretty thorough blood for like 150 bucks. Yeah. Um, just on online, so it's um, it's called iScreen.com.au. Um, they they do bloods. You like you can order any number of tests, but but what do. do you test for, and what should they be looking for? So. They're all standard tests, but but generally they wouldn't be done at the same time. So the ones I would I normally ask for is a, a full blood count, which is like your um, your red blood cell markers, like your hemoglobin, your red blood cells, you know, MCV, all that, and then that includes your your white blood cells and the other white blood cells. So your white blood cells, your neutrophils, your sonophils, your basophils, your platelets. Um, then you've got your liver function tests, which is like your liver enzymes, so your AST, ALT, GGT, um, bilirubin albumin, globulin, so you, you sort of, and then you've got your electrolytes, which is like your calcium, magnesium, um, phosphorus, uh, zinc, stuff like that. Mm. Then you've got your uh, inflammation markers, CRP, ESR, so they're really important. Doctors don't tend to like running these, but but they're really good to see, you know, because that's one of the key things we're looking for is inflammation. Yeah. It doesn't tell you where the inflammation is, like it could be inflammation from something else, but if someone's got gut symptoms and their inflammation markers are, are cranked up a bit, mm. then it's a pretty good indication they've got a, a gut issue. Yeah. Um, nutrient markers, so vitamin D, B12, folate, um, glucose markers, so... Fasting glucose, fasting insulin, HbA1c, which is like a long term. It's more of a diabetic marker, but it's handy as well. Then you got your fats or your or your lipid lipid panel, which is your cholesterol. You know HDL, LDL. You know most people are pretty familiar with that. Yeah. And then an iron panel, um, which is this. Usually four markers in an iron panel. You got serum iron, ferritin, uh, transferrin, and transferrin saturation. And that's you know all up to about fifty five tests, and they're all very standard. It's just that. Docs don't normally order them all at the same time. Yeah, I imagine they wouldn't. I know it's pretty minute what they actually do test for for the general public. The other thing is, can you explain the sliding scale of test results? Because yes. there are many things out there that people are technically in the healthy range, mm -hmm. but they're really not living their best life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, personally, I have a high expectation of myself from life in general, and I don't want to just be at the bare minimum. So sure. A lot of people fall into that trap. The doctor says they're fine, send them on their way, they're healthy, and they don't even give it another thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is so how, you know, people think, well, how's a range defined? Like, so when you get a blood test, it's got a, a, uh, a range there of where it should fall. And it's like, well, yeah, how has that been done? And generally, it's just done by different labs will do it differently. So there's not one standard range that is, you know, your white blood cells should be this, or your cholesterol, you know, should be this. So, so using white blood cells, for example, um, 
what they'll do is they'll take a, a sample of people, maybe a thousand people, maybe ten thousand people, and generally they'll take off the bottom two and a half percent and the top two and a half percent, and then everything in the middle is considered normal. So it's it's just it's just using you know standard variability, you know. So so if you're not in the bottom two and a half percent of the population, and what's the population, right? So you're taking, yeah. uh, like I said, a ten thousand sample of blood tests. Who are people getting blood tests? They're generally people going to the doctors with a problem. Yeah, you know they're not getting all right. Let's find ten thousand healthy people and sample them and see what their markers are. Right. Yeah. So you're taking ten thousand unhealthy generally people because that's the average. So they're going to be unhealthy, and. If you're, yeah, if you're, as long as you're in that middle 95%, you're considered normal. It's funny because, yes, it is normal because it's common, but it's really not healthy and it's no. certainly not ideal. Definitely not. So, so optimal ranges, and this is the thing, there's no set optimal ranges either. They're sort of developed through research, like different practitioners will have different optimal ranges that they use. And so, for example, for example, white blood cells, I think the range on most labs is like 4 to 11. And then, you know, the range I use is, at the moment is 5.5 uh, to 7.5. So it's, you know, it's a pretty tight, you know, yep. relatively, you know, I think for like thyroid, for TSH, for thyroid hormone, it's like 0.5 to 5. Like it's just, you know, that's a huge range, mm. you know, like um, same with um, ferritin, which is the main iron marker. The reference range medically is like 30 to 500, yeah. you know, so you're 31 or, or 499, you know, you're, you're, you're normal, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. so um yeah, it's just the ranges are huge, which which other and yeah, they're, they're looking for a disease state. So, you know, you have to have a big enough problem that the medical system can deal with. Yeah. So, you know, generally it's a something that you know an intervention that they have. So, you think of the medical system; they have you know only a few interventions is uh, prescription or, or surgery or some sort of other diagnostic you know that they can do like an MRI or, or um, ultrasound or something like that. So, you've got to have a suspected. Uh, yeah, some suspected disease that they that they can tick off and say this is what it looks like you have. Um, so if they used optimal ranges, you know, people would go in and have twenty markers out and go, well, there's nothing actually that we have in our toolbox that can help you bring those markers back. Mm. Because if your markers, if you don't have a disease and your markers are out, the only interventions that actually work are lifestyle, nutrition. You know, yeah, but they're not sexy. People don't want to no, do that. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, there's no there's no drugs that can fix those issues yeah. because they're so they're so you know they you don't have a, a disease. So so you know the, the the system is designed to fix you once you get well broken. Yeah, but ideally we should be avoiding that. Yeah, at all costs. And and exactly, and that's what you know a lot of my clients are is people who are healthy, but they just want to you know optimize things. Yeah. So you know like you know, you know so two sort of clients I deal with is one people who are quite you know, have these gut issues and are quite unwell. Um, and then people who are, are healthy and just want to get, you know, you know, optimize things, want to be at their peak, you know, they yeah. want to perform at their best, feel their best, and want to train their best, um, want to know what supplements or, you know, how they should eat, you know, want to know what their bloods are doing. Yeah. What supplements do help? Because we did touch on probiotics, digestive enzymes. Mm -hmm. What would be the go-to? I imagine there's no blanket approach and everything would be individualized based on their biomarkers, symptoms, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Are there any staples that people could do that would improve their situation without really getting any guidance from a coach? Yeah, there's a few. I mean, there's your basic nutrients that, you know, by, you know, statistically most people are going to be low in. Um, so you've got, you know, zinc, magnesium, vitamin D, you know, most people have heard of those. Um, what you know, often helps, you know, especially with, with gut-related stuff is um, glutathione support. So glutathione is our main uh, master sort of antioxidant. And um, NAC, which is N-acetylcysteine, it's pretty common. NAC is pretty popular It's now. pretty popular now. It was, it was pretty much unheard of maybe five years ago, you know, outside of health circles. But I've seen in, in um, chemists now and stuff. Like yeah. it's, it's, and it's fantastic. Like the amount of research behind NAC is huge. Like yeah. it's, you know. Can you explain the benefits of NAC? Just yes. For our listeners? Yeah, sure. So, so glutathione, so... When we, you know, our liver's constantly um, breaking down toxic compounds into less toxic compounds to excrete from our body. You know, yeah. no matter what your health is, that's, that's what it does, you know, all day long. It's got different phases of detoxification. Um, but, but a couple of those phases rely on glutathione and making glutathione. So we make glutathione from three amino acids, glutamine, glycine, and cysteine. Yep. So, you know, you get them from protein, right? So you eat enough protein, you're going to get a reasonable amount of those amino acids. Mm. But when it comes to making glutathione, the rate-limiting one, the one that is the bottleneck, is cysteine. Mm -hmm. So so the reason, you know, if your body needs more glutathione, so a classic example is that, well, for example, if you have, if you OD on Panadol, like people die from Panadol or um, paracetamol overdoses, you know, it causes liver failure. Yeah. 
because the main the enzyme you need more glutathione. So what happens if you you know if you take twenty five panadol, you will burn through your glutathione stores to to break down that panadol, and then when your liver can't make any gl- more glutathione, the result is extremely toxic compound which causes liver failure. Yeah, and so if you go to the hospital with uh, you know um, paracetamol overdose, the the medical intervention is is IV NSE. Because that N-acetylcysteine, so the N-acetylcysteine, yeah. so cysteine is the the rate limiting amino acid out yeah. of the three. So generally, in people's bodies, there's enough glutamine, there's enough glycine. We need more cysteine. Yeah. So glycine ta- is another popular one at the moment. Yeah, yeah, glycine's great too. Glycine's great for gut health. It's also one we don't generally get enough of. Um, we get that, so it's it's found in collagen. So you know, people love collagen protein at the moment. It's very popular. Yeah. So we get a generally meat like lean meat doesn't have as much glycine as a you know percentage. Yeah. So we that's what that's why collagen protein's great, but you can take glycine by itself as well. It's good. It actually helps us get into that parasympathetic state. So people who are too wired or, you know, can't wind down. Uh, glycine at night is good. Yeah, definitely aids in sleep. And uh, I actually looked into it that people having a panic attack by taking five grams of glycine can actually stop a panic attack. Yeah. Which was very interesting. It's uh, very calming, yeah. Yeah. In terms of macros now specifically, carbohydrates, protein, and fats, how do they impact the gut? Because obviously there's a lot of specific measurements thrown out there. For example, weight training, people are saying if they want to be focusing on muscular hypertrophy, Mm -hmm. 2 to 2.2 grams per kilo body weight. For carbs or whatever. uh, For protein. protein. Yeah, yeah. People are throwing out there in many respects as a common thing. But then other people are saying it's as low as 0.85 for health benefits and some people saying 1.6. There's so many different opinions out there. Yeah. So looking at it through the lens of optimizing gut health, Mm -hmm. what do you think the target should be for particular macros? Well, I think, I mean, I I prefer, you know, a a higher amount of, protein like you know around the you know two grams per kilo i think that's you know pretty safe uh and you know you're not gonna uh you're not gonna undershoot with that you know it's gonna because i mean you need protein for a lot of things right you know we need it for like the you know the amino acids for detoxification like i was talking about yeah um and and fats as well obviously you know we need the the big thing i suppose for gut health is also the ratio of fats like so you know saturated monounsaturated polyunsaturated so if you have too much polyunsaturated it's going to increase these inflammatory end products can you elaborate on what would lead to too much polyunsaturated? Yeah, sure. So the big one is the you know the processed seed oils like your canola oil, um, yeah, pretty big in our safflower oil, now. sunflower oil. They're the worst, and they're they're huge. Like 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 so we got you know with polyunsaturated fats, you've got you know the main two ones are omega threes and omega sixes. Um, and omega sixes, you know, I mean, too much polyunsaturated fat overall is inflammatory, but but especially omega sixes, you know, the most common one being linoleic acid. So that's your, you know your sunflower oil, your safflower oil, rice bran oil, uh, canola oil. Can too oil. much omega three lead to inflammation? Not, I mean, not so. I mean, it's so may potentially long term, but yeah. omega three because all polyunsaturated fats they oxidize quite easily. Yeah. So if you had a huge, I mean, omega threes are better than omega sixes, but if you had a large amount of omega, you know, um, polyunsaturated fats over a long amount of time, and you had less saturated and monounsaturated, and that ratio is out because the fats that are in our cells. So you think of our cell membrane. Um, the cell membrane is made of fats. It's a lipid bilayer made of fats. And so if we have too much polyunsaturated fats over the long term, that cell membrane is going to be a higher composition of these, you know, polyunsaturated fats than it should be. Mm. And um, will, you know, potentially lead to, you know, these sort of problems, you know, inflammatory problems. You know, I wouldn't say, I mean, omega-3s are generally great. I mean, as far as omega-3 goes, you know, I prefer them from fish, right? So, yeah. so you know, plant omega-3s, you know, like from flaxseed and ALA and stuff. Um, they're, they're fine, but they're not as good as, you know, generally very rarely people are going to overdo omega-3s from fish. It's very interesting looking at the fact that, you know, the ratios of fats, as you said, so many people out there are raving about omega-3s at the moment, particularly with a lot of stuff done by Andrew Huberman talking about the increase in fish oil and everyone's smashing it at the moment. There's so many ways to do it. But as you said, that delicate balance of the ecosystem between all the fats and how they work together and having that optimized ratio, it's a... It's a tricky thing for the average person to wrap their head around and probably the reason why they need to elicit the help of a coach. Well, yeah, and, and also too, but I mean, if you're pretty sensible about it and just eat, you know, a solid whole foods diet, you're going to, you know, be pretty solid, right? You're going to get your monounsaturated fats from like your olives and your avocado and stuff like that. Um, 
you know, your, your omega-3s from your fish and, and don't go nuts on any one thing. Eat a good amount of meat. Like, you know, saturated fat is great too. I think, um, you know, obviously, you know, obviously in the conventional sense, it's demonized, but but I think it's great. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't be having, you know, 500 grams of butter a day either. You know, it's just, it's just you don't want to go Common too, sense. Yeah, like, yeah, just, not, which just is don't not go common. too crazy. And then, and then people can individualize things. But, but if you're trying to do things yourself and, you know, don't want to, you know, throw a foot out, um, and, and do too much damage, just don't do anything crazy. You know, like like I got into, you know, like fish oil, for example, you know, like back when I got into health and stuff, like in 2010, like fish oil was, you know, like a sort of a new thing and it was, you know, like very beneficial for diabetes and, and heart disease and all this stuff, which it is to an extent. But, um, you know, I was like, I was like having big, big doses of it and that, and, you know, I would, you know in hindsight, I probably wouldn't do that. You know, I'd have a, you know, you take a few grams a day or, or whatever and, and um, you know, three to five grams a day and, and that's that, that'll do it. What do you think is all hype? I love asking people this question. What do you think is if people are raving about too much that you really don't give much credit to? Um, probably, I mean, a lot of the gut supplements out there, yeah. the fibers and the probiotics and the, you know, gut ride and, yeah, I mean, anything that's, you know, specific has to be individualized, right? So, like I said, fiber can make some of gut, you know, people, uh, clients, and they take a fiber and it, it destroys them, makes it worse. Yeah. Same with the probiotic and some people it makes them better. So, you know, if you've got specific, I mean, generally, if you're an average person and you take, you know, a probiotic and a fiber, you're not even going to know there's a difference anyway. Like, if you don't have any symptoms at all and you go, I'll try this supplement, you're not going to know if it's any good or it's not. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, other stuff like pre-workouts and, yeah. you know, <laughs> blends and stuff like that. A lot of these big proprietary blends, um, you know, a lot of these, you know, in the gut world, you know, the, the, a lot of antimicrobial products, so things that kill off bad bacteria. And it's got like maybe seven different antimicrobial herbs in it, but they're at pathetic doses. Mm. And so it's sort of just like label stuffing um, to get the, to you know get this product that, that looks good. But but you know you would need to take uh, you know a, a huge amount to, to be beneficial, and you're better off. That's why like any supplements, I prefer to get the individual components, and then and then I can dose them appropriately for the person. Um, and then I know exactly what I'm getting. Well, that's also good if you have them individual compounds, you can remove them, introduce them. Exactly. And you can see how you respond to them instead of sure. taking a blanket approach with everything combined in one with the mixed doses like you were talking about. Because just like exercise, it is dose dependent. Too much is a problem. Not enough is also a problem. Yeah, 100%. You need that Goldilocks sweet spot. 100%. And I guess that's different for everyone, that, yeah, that Goldilocks. Yeah. When you're looking at that... Is there a way that you can make an educated guess? So, for example, based on the biomarkers, use the example of fiber being beneficial for some people and not so great for others, mm -hmm. same with probiotics. Is there ways for you to actually make an educated guess that you would a certain result would happen from using it, or is it just trial and error? Yeah, well, some some products are, I would call, you know, like safeguard products. So with the gut, like the, you know, the the most safe fiber is is partially hydrolyzed guar gum. Um, it's called sun fiber, I think it is one, but, but yeah, partially hydrolyzed guar gum, partially hydrolyzed guar gum is the name. Um, like the most common fiber is like, you know, I don't know, Metamucil or something. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's not that great, but that, that's a pretty but safe that's one. that's what we get at the local supermarket for Exactly, most yeah, yeah. But that's good for diarrhea, good for constipation, good for SIBO. It, it's, it's shown, in, you know, it's got a lot of research behind it. Um, as far as probiotics, Safeguard, I would go, it's called an SB. It's often in a travel probiotic. It's got Saccharomyces boulardii is, is, is the name of it, but it's often called SB or Travelers. And um, that's actually a yeast. It's not actually a bacteria, but that's very Safeguard, as in it tends to not cause any bad reactions and it tends to be a benefit for a lot of different things. Mm. Um, generally, less safeguard is, is the ones with super high doses, like you've got a, a probiotic with like eight strains and it's got, you know, 50 billion or 500 billion, you know, you know in you know the huge number of bacteria in there. They tend to be, uh, yeah, more, you know, risky and, and, you know, it's a shotgun approach. Yeah, well, I guess a lot of people just, yeah, more is better, and they're just yeah. hoping that. Well, if you're buying happen. it, you want value for money, right? You're like, well, I can get this probiotic with 25 billion per capsule, yeah, or this one with 100, or I can get a sachet with 500 billion of bacteria. Well, that's that's gonna be better. But I know it's been really popular lately, where people have been talking about how gut not only impacts physical health but mental health and mood. Yeah. Do you mind sharing some information about that? Sure. So, I mean, it's it's huge to be honest. Like, it's 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 almost like a taboo topic to talk about, like yeah. depression and anxiety. But I mean, you know, I would 
uh, I don't know, I can't put a percentage on it, but, but the number of people that would be have those those feelings of depression and anxiety doesn't mean, you know, like I'm not saying, you know, not people, you know, because there's a diagnosis, right? People get, you know, given a label and then they're like, well, I'm I'm depressed or I'm anxious. But yeah. but a huge number, like there is, you know, a huge number of people that actually, you know, are and, you know, need, you know, need obviously therapy, medication, all that sort of stuff, and that's great. But there's a huge number of people who aren't feeling great, you know, just feel like shit, you know, like when I, my gut problems were at their worst, I felt terrible, you know, for a, for an, for a period of time. Yeah. If I went to a psychologist, he'd probably diagnose me with depression. Yeah. But and I know he'd be medicated. Straight yeah, away. yeah. But I didn't have depression. I just felt bad because my body was not in a place to allow me to feel good. Yeah. So, yeah. When it comes to the gut, I mean, we've got a huge amount of you know neurotransmitters that are dependent on the gut. Also, when we talk about leaky gut, often when you have leaky gut, it often leads to leaky brain. So we have our I've gut never barrier. Heard that concept. Yeah, yeah. So we've got our blood brain barrier. So a blood brain barrier, and that is a very protective, one of the most protective um, layers in the body that that stops compounds from getting into the brain. And it's like one of the problems when they're trying to make. Uh, drugs for brain conditions it's one of the toughest things is because they can't get the drugs I've heard people saying that GABA doesn't cross that barrier exactly yeah so um problem is so if we have leaky gut those inflammatory compounds get into the blood and then we're more likely to get um leaky blood brain barrier so that gets permeable it gets more permeable exactly really and then these inflammatory compounds get into the brain and cause new it's called neuroinflammation so we get inflammation in the brain this is the brain fog yeah, so like wow. brain fog, you feel like you can't get a, you know, you can't type out an email or, or, you know, just, you just, you know, you're not so much just tired, but just foggy, can't focus, can't concentrate. So we get this neuroinflammation. Um, and, you know, so one, it's a problem of neurotransmitters not being produced correctly. Um, and then two, you know, these inflammatory cytokines and inflammatory um, products. Uh, levels are up in the blood and also compounds getting into the brain and, and you know messing with the neurochemistry that's amazing because so many people out there are experiencing brain fog and they're entrepreneurs huge, business yeah. people whatever and they're looking all uni students you would have been able to relate to that i know i, yeah, yeah. I was at school as well and thinking you know extra coffee what other supplements we can do people look at nootropics and nootropics, things like that and yeah. not even considering the fact that it could be that permeability in the brain and things is getting in there that shouldn't be 100 percent. i reckon i've got a probably something in my house a cupboard of nootropics because i went through <laughs> yeah. i went through everything like yeah. research chemicals this that like any anything that was going to give you oh this is the new best focus you know thing yeah. we've ever seen since you know amphetamine whatever like this is the new thing <laughs> uh, I, I tried i remember and, when modafinil was popular as yeah well, yeah like, yeah. <laughs> yeah all that stuff i tried heaps of them and and none of them come anywhere near close to getting myself healthy and you know and I, don't, I don't even i barely touch caffeine now like uh, my caffeine is like, um, you know, 20 grams of dark chocolate a few days a week. Like I don't know, yeah. you know, or, or, or a tea, you know, I don't have coffee. I love coffee, but I don't have it anymore. It's too much, you know, I just, um, I feel better having caffeine just a few days a week. But Now, this is a personal question. We're talking about coffee here, and I think a lot of people would be able to relate to this. Yeah. I pretty much didn't have coffee for my entire life until my 30s. And oh, I was wow. going through an issue where... I was having brain fog and fatigue and a few other things. To be mm. fair, I think my gut was definitely compromised, despite sure. looking healthy from the outside. Then I started taking up coffee, and I'd only have one because if I had more than one, I'd just be too heightened. Yeah, it just yeah too wide. My constitution, I'm white as fuck. Yes, yeah, so, so um, one's enough. But I've been talking with another guest, Joey DeBacca. I'm going to get it right this time. Yeah, so uh, dietitian about removing that and adding in suli. I think it's suli. Tosuli, I don't know. I'm butchering that tea. I'll mention it next time. Okay. But a tea instead, and it's sort of like an adaptogen, not ashwagandha, something a bit more mild okay. that moderates the nervous system instead of the coffee. And I'm playing with that concept. I literally bought the tea today. Yeah. But I'm thinking about how does coffee relate to the gut? Can you explain that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, interesting. I think, again, it's going to be an individual because there's a lot of studies that they've done on a large number of people and, and people who, you know, drink coffee uh, – Tend to do better, you know, in the in these studies, when you know number of health markers and longevity and all the rest of it. The problem is, if you have a study of, you know, over time they just record people, you know, people drink three cups of coffee a day versus none versus six cups of coffee a day, right? And they record the health outcomes over a long time. You could have seventy percent of people do much better and thirty percent do terribly, and then the study result is, well, overall this helps people. But thirty percent of people are healthy suffering because of the coffee. Yeah, yeah. So, so for me, I know I just don't do well on having coffee every day. I I smashed coffee from you know fifteen to twenty two, um, and then I uh, uh, you know overdid it. You know, like I had a lot of coffee at uni. Um, you know, was was again I was you know go go go. You know, wanted to get more done. I love the idea of 
been able to you know have more energy and do stuff and, and just you know had too much coffee but um now i do better without i still can get a lot done and 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 you know live a productive and not have so much but if you're i mean we're in a stress state already we're talking about sympathetic dominance allostatic load i mean coffee just adds to that right yeah. so so for example i have a lot more coffee on holiday yeah right? okay. i'm not working because yep. because i just I don't, I don't find it gets me as wide you know if i have a coffee if i'm working i work all day and have a hard workout I get to the end of the day, I'm still wired. I can't wind down. Yeah. Whereas I have coffee on holiday, I'm just chilling out with my family or friends or whatever, and then it doesn't bother my sleep at all, or I don't feel wired. I enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's so, situational. Situational, yeah. So you know, if you're focused and and you know going at it all day, you sort of you, you're adding your own cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline to what the coffee is also giving you, and yeah. and and you're focused and you know stressing out your brain and sympathetic nervous system more. It's going to add to that. So you know. The more stressed someone is, the more they shouldn't have coffee. But they do the opposite. They feel they need it because to you need thrive it. and perform and do even more. But it actually, it's the same thing we're looking at other things like, I love Wim Hof, met him probably eight, nine years ago. But for someone who's yeah, nice. heavily in the sympathetic nervous system all the time, you probably don't want to add in something that's going to be a sympathetic nervous system breathing technique. That's you it. probably it's want something balanced. that's going yeah. to downregulate. But someone else that wants that pick up in the morning for the cortisol levels, Yes, there is a place for it. So it is it's like looking with who the person is. Many of these methods are good, but not necessarily for the person that you're working with or the 100%. person listening to this episode. Hundred percent. It's very uh, yeah, very dependent. And yeah, like I, yeah, I know some people who have coffee and it's fine. You know, some people doesn't it doesn't uh, bother them. Like you know, they have one or two coffees a day, and their stress levels are pretty well managed. And they you know, even if they they do quite a lot, you know, like it's. But as you know, it doesn't bother them, and other people, it, it, it does. You know, well, they might not even have the rela- understand the relationship about how it could be bothering them. So That's right. I want to get into that in a moment about yeah. the symptoms that you mentioned that you have personally. But I think when we're looking at mental health or anything, even performance, people shouldn't be looking at supplements or medication or anything like that unless they're addressing the staples like sleep, like stress management, making sure they're having a reasonably good quality diet of whole foods. 100%. All these things should be addressed before we're doing doing all these extra things on. And then if the problem's still there, you can sort of go down the rabbit hole and explore other options. But Definitely. It's normally the go-to. 100%. So with the actual symptoms that come with problems with gut health, mm-hmm. you shared some of your personal symptoms. What would be the symptoms that people listening to might experience? How would they know they might have an issue with their gut? Sure. You mentioned anxiety and all these other things. What are the warning signs? Yeah, so I'd, you break it down first. You break it down into gut symptoms or, you know, digestive-related symptoms and non-gut symptoms, right? So so you can have both or, you know, just one category. So your gut symptoms, you know, you've got bloating, indigestion, heartburn, constipation, diarrhea, pain, cramping, all that stuff, all those common gut-related symptoms. Um and then you've got the non-gut symptoms, which is, you know, far more broad and, and harder to pinpoint, but, but you know, exactly what it is. But, yeah, you've got energy issues, fatigue, brain fog, um, anxiety. Then you've got, you know, sleep, skin issues. You know, yeah. eczema is a common, you know, like, so you could say like the eczema, um, the reflection of the inner skin, so the gut lining you could call the inner skin. So the health of the inner skin is a reflection of the outer skin. Yeah. So if you have a lot of eczema, you probably have some sort of leaky gut, gut lining issue. Um, sinus issues, like so, you think of the you know the the mucous membranes all through the sinuses and stuff. It's all you know connected one mucous membrane in through the lungs and through the gut. You know, so if you have a lot of problems in one part of your mucous membranes, it's probably extended elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, people have you know like um, alopecia, like hair falling out and stuff. Um, nutrient deficiencies, like if you go, you know, if you find out you've got nutrient deficiencies, then you eat a pretty good diet. Well, there's probably gut issues because you're not absorbing them. Mm. Um, so it's funny when it comes to iron, people are eating adequate iron, for example, but yeah. they're just not absorbing it for whatever reason. Yeah. And then you can also, like, if you have so certain bacteria feed off iron too. So so if you have certain um, bacterial overgrowth in your gut, uh, this is the thing, this is the worst thing. So, so bacterial overgrowth in the gut um, creates inflammation, actually feed off iron, they create these biofilms, which is like a sort of encasing that protects them so they, they can't like think of plaque on your teeth that's a biofilm yeah and um, they feed off iron and then so so your iron levels get low what you go to the doc what do you get you get some iron yeah and so you're just making the, 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 the problem worse making the problem worse wow. and you think you know you go to get help and you think you're going to solve the problem and it's just not working it's a yeah it's a pretty common thing uh, you mentioned before about Obviously, people, if you went to a doctor and you were feeling depressed, you went to a psychologist, Mm -hmm. psychiatrist, and they prescribe you medication. There are so many people out there that I know that are 
taking medication, but the symptoms are still there. They yeah. still have the problem. Absolutely. Would that be an indication that the gut may be an issue? I mean, I think if, yeah, if, um, you know, me personally, if you had these kind of issues, you know, any feeling, any, like if there's nothing wrong in your life, like you have a good life, you know, there's nothing that's changed, you know, you haven't, like, you know, if someone's depressed, like if you, uh, you know, lose your job, your house burns down, your wife leaves you, right? You got a good reason to be depressed. Yeah, it's perfectly good reason. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, whereas if you've, nothing's changed, you know, from this year to last year, and this year you're feeling crappy, you know, 99% chance it's a health issue. Yeah. You know, you, you know, there's not, you're not, you know, there's the chemical balance, the, the whole theory of chemical imbalance in the brain is the biggest, you know, load of bullshit. Yeah, like, that's been disproven. Yeah, I mean, serious psychologists, you know, throw that in the bin. You but know, they still throw out antidepressants. Yes, I know. Well, that's it. It's just, uh, I don't know if it's just, you know, the system or people just being lazy doing what they know and just doing what they've done for the last, you know, decades, you know, mm. doing the same thing. But, yeah, if, if you're feeling off, whether it's, you know, anxiety, depression, lack of energy, you know, whatever, um, you know, the, the, and there's nothing changed in your life, then then generally it's going to be a health issue, yeah? yeah. Um, or, or, you know, you hate your job or something like that. But if that, if that hasn't changed and, you like, you know, you had the same job this year as last year and you still like your job and, and, you know, you have a happy relationship and stuff like that but you feel lousy, there's something going on internally, you know, um, and it's not, a, it's not a deficiency of Prozac that's the issue, you know. I had a conversation with a couple of clients the other day and they're talking about, the concept of flexible dieting and it comes up a lot and yeah. i know that i've had some pretty amazing body transformations myself in the past doing flexible dieting yeah a lot of people go you know if i hit all my protein target first thing in the morning can i eat shit for the rest of the day and still get jacked it's like the answer is yes you can but is it healthy no can you explain how flexible dieting has an impact on overall health yeah, so, you know, there's plenty of people that have got great results with flexible dieting. Um, in terms of body composition. Body, body composition, exactly. Yeah. So, they're, you know, they're in great shape. But, you know, you're getting great results for now. You know, you're, you're sort of, it's like um, taking out a credit card and, uh, you know, taking out too much debt. Yeah. You, know, it, you know, if you keep doing that long term, you're not going to be able to repay the debt and it's going to come up in the form of, you know, health issues. Like I, I obviously have a network of uh, coaches that do blood work and um, gut health and similar stuff to me. You know, I know maybe I'll talk to about, you know, six or eight, you know, around Australia that, that do this and they see a lot of if it fits your macros coaches. Yeah. You know, that have, that have, you know, done this for years and then and now they're having, you know, gut issues and other related health issues. Yeah. And they're having to go back to a very clean diet i'm not saying you can never eat you know other foods but if you if that's your lifestyle and your philosophy and you're eating 20 percent of your calories every week from from dog shit foods you know it's i it's, think the ratios are significantly worse than that yeah they probably people. are like, yeah, yeah i think you're being really i'm being really probably pretty generous nice. yeah, yeah. i'm being very generous yeah. with that because i know people that are like oh as long as i'm in a calorie deficit i can live off maccas yeah like it's fine yeah, yeah. and eat all that's the it. cookies i mean so. yeah Exactly. So, so it's 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 going to take it takes its toll. But things some people genetically get away with it um, a lot longer than others. Yeah, but there yeah. are outliers in every area. Out, exactly. It's clearly, not exactly. the healthiest thing for someone to do. Hundred percent. No, it's but terrible. It, we're also saying if you go to a wedding or something, you are entitled to eat the cake. You can have the occasional parma with friends and things like 100%. that. Hundred percent. But it shouldn't be the way that you live your life. No, and, and and the more healthy that you are, the greater tolerance you have for going outside the boundaries on these things. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you generally eat healthy, you know. Uh, throughout your life, day to day, week to week, well then, yeah, you, you go away, you go away for a holiday and, and eat eat not so great. For then, then it's not going to have as big of an impact. Yeah, of course. Whereas if you're already having you know two massive cheat meals a week or a cheat day or, or you know or cheat meal every day, yeah. um, then your health is in decline, and then you just got res less resilience. You know, some um, people it's just a cheat diet, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know. I probably don't because I don't deal with the, you know that those people that much. I'm probably you know a bit. Um, uh, I suppose jaded now on you know most of the people I see are sort of already pretty healthy, but I, yeah, I definitely know from social media that yeah, there's a lot of people doing pretty uh, fits your macros and eating a lot of junk yeah. in the process. Yeah, I guess they forget that the body is literally made up of the things that we're consuming, and if you're eating shit, you're going to be made up of shit. It's just the literally. Way it is. You might look all right, but uh, yeah, and you have the mask on, but you're probably not too good internally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally every cell that you're made up of now, like in a year from now you are literally going to be totally replaced by the food you've eaten. In a year? Yeah, well, less, most tissues are less than that, you know. Uh, I don't know, what are, you know, bones are longer, like I don't know what are they are, six months or something, but most tissues, uh, you know, are not long at all. You know, your skin replaces itself. I mean, your, your blood cells replace themselves every 90 days, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, it's not very long and, and you're literally replacing yourself with what goes in your mouth. So talking about this topic, I love that we've got onto this because healing is something that I think will encourage a lot of people to actually take action. And, you know, a lot of people go, 
I've already fucked myself. I'm stuck. Like this yep. is, you know, I've ruined my body. What do I do? Hmm. Can people heal? Can they change? The, the body has an incredible capacity to heal. Um, it's just, you know, giving it the, the right inputs. Like, you know, I've seen people, um, you know, that they, they think, you know, their, their hope is, is lost and they think they're screwed. You know, people are in their young and their 20s and 30s and they have, you know, debilitating symptoms, you know, they, they can you know, not function, you know, very well at all. Um, and over time, they get better. It just obviously takes a bit longer, yeah. but it's putting putting the right inputs in over time, developing the right mindset behind it that you can heal. Like a lot of it's too is you know you got to believe you can heal and get better and, and see you know light at the tunnel, which is why you know I think a part, you know part of the coaching process is is you know helping people you know you know helping them see that they can believe they can heal and 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 you know giving them the right tools to be able to move in the right direction, but. Um, it's yeah, it's it's crazy what can be what can be done. To be honest, um, yeah, I, you know, people I, I've seen over the years. If you asked me in the past, you know, is this person going to get better? I would have said, you know, no. But but you know, yeah, they you know, people can do. The body is incredible what it can do to recover. Yeah, it's amazing. It's um, that belief is such an important factor because there are so many people that just believe they're stuck in the way they are and they just yeah. accept that that's how they live their life now. The doctor told them they're fine and they got given this medication. They still have all the pains and they yeah. still have all the symptoms and, you know, they've still got money in the bank and they smash themselves on the weekend, drink as much piss as they possibly can to try and drown their sorrows yeah. and live off painkillers. It doesn't sound like a very fulfilling life to me. No, well, I think a lot of people actually, they, they get stuck because they, they, uh, the ones who, they're, they're just in the middle, you know, they're, they're, they're not happy but they're not really eat enough pain to really make them change. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then some people just gets to the point where it's like, that's it, I'm done. You know, like, or, yeah. There's a concept called the region beta paradox. And someone actually contacted me, one of our listeners, Matteo, good friend of mine. He mentioned, or he, the concept is that I looked into it, that things need to get bad enough before they change. And if they're not bad enough, it's actually not a good thing because yes. you stay in that level of crap. Exactly. For an extended period of time. Exactly. It has to get to that breaking point where there's that threshold where you're like, something's got to change. And yeah. some people never quite get there. No, that's right. That's I, right. I think we have to sort of encourage people to not hit rock bottom before they do something about it. Yeah. You know, like it's, a, it's, a, it's everyone where, oh, you know, they, I'll change soon, but it has to get to that very no. bad point before they actually do anything. Yeah, I mean, you, what, you, you know, yeah, the push by pleasure or, you know, pulled by pain, you know. Yeah, the carrot um, of the stick. Yeah, the carrot of the stick. And, and I think people don't know what the big problem is. They don't know what they can do to get better. Like if you're in that middle phase of being, you know, not great but not in a huge amount of pain, you know, it's, it's not that well known. Like people don't seek out, you know, health coaches or, or, or whatever until they're quite bad. But, um, you know, there's so much you can do and there's so much uh, – you know, availability for help out there and, and, and can it's, it's not that hard to get, get big improvements. I think it's really interesting just reflecting on someone like yourself, very successful, been in the health and fitness industry, health conscious for so long, but you did suffer from these symptoms. Yeah. Uh, you went through this unique experience yourself. You've shared it over social media. I had a look at that. Mm. Amazing transformation. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story with people because yeah. it shows that, that it can happen to anyone. And I'm sure there's so many sleepers out there that aren't even acknowledging it. What sort of changes did you notice in your life and your overall level of performance from fixing this issue? Um, oh, huge, man. I mean, I, you know, like, you know, from not, you know, thinking straight, like my biggest, you know, like, you know, I was into, you know, weightlifting and, uh, you know, training and whatnot. And I was always genetically not very gifted in that arena. Like I'd try really hard, but I was never going to be. Mind you, you started me when I went to open the door to go take a piss and you're like this, yeah, <laughs> you're like I'm, a head taller than me. Six foot five. So six, six foot five, which, yeah, you know, for powerlifting or bodybuilding, which is what I was into when I was younger, yeah. uh, you know, not very good. Um, you know, great for basketball. Yeah, the uh, levers are probably not the best for powerlifting, man. No, no. But, um, <laughs> you make a good boxer. I, yeah, yeah, I maybe. Yeah. have to transition over yeah, transition. I'll, I'll plant the seed. <laughs> yeah. Um, play tennis, so that was, uh, that's all right. But, um, the yeah, but one thing I did, I thought you know, was my um, ability to you know think. I was always sort of you know switched on, and that was my you know ability to learn really well and stuff like that. And that was the thing that went when I when I had the health issues. Yeah, you know my my ability to learn or or, or think. Um, I just you know make decisions. It was just completely out the window. Yeah. and I was forgetting people's names. Like I had a, a videographer. We're doing videos at the gym. Uh, you know, for you know, just exercise videos and stuff. And he'd been a he'd been our videographer for a couple of years, and I knew him quite well. And then I went to text him. I'm like, I can't even remember his name. I don't know. I can't. I, I can't put his name in his, in his phone to find his name. I had to ask Ali, like, who my my um, fiance, who's the guy who does our videos? 
and wow. and I just yeah, and, and it was just that it was, you know, like um, weird things like um, music sounded completely different when I when the the gutter shoes were there. Like wow, yeah, so yeah. Your oh. senses in terms of how you actually interpret and listen to music was different. Yeah. So the day, so I, I, I don't know if you saw it, but I had a you know a, a fecal transplant, right? That was yeah. At one point, so they get bacteria from someone's poop basically and give you a colonoscopy and 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 refresh your own gut bacteria. Now, whose poop is it, and why is their poop at a standard that's better than yours? Yeah. Well, that's it. It's very. Um, uh, high degree of testing that they go to and they, they, they you know, people, they pay people good money to, to be donors. And so they there are poop accept. farmers out there. Like yeah. They're, they're poop guys, donors. Yeah, they pay them like, it's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, so they pay them like 400 bucks a, a poop. Really? Yeah, yeah, like it's insane. <laughs> so they're their covered. body is literally their temple to create the world's best poop for well, other people to get benefits. 100%. It's yeah. it's it's weird. So yeah, it was, a, like, it was through a gas, gastroenterologist. Like he's a guy who does it, you know, this is all he does is, is poop transplant for seriously ill people. Um, I mean, if I knew what I knew now, I probably wouldn't have done it because I don't think I would have needed to. I could have, I could have done it myself. Yeah. Um, but that this was in 2018, and I'd only just begun on the the learning journey of this. I didn't really know as much, and I just, you know, thought, you know, this is what's going to help get me better, and, and jumped yeah. at it. But these days, I think, you know, I would have done it without needing to do that. But it did help me, and it was great. So, um, but yeah, the day, so the day after. Well, the week after I got it done, I remember going back to the gym and obviously the music's playing for clients and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, what, guys, what happened to the speaker? Like, it just, was it, did it get fixed or something? Like, the music in the gym, you know, it sounds amazing. Wow. And like, what are you talking about? And then I realized that my hearing had gotten better since the transplant. It literally changed the way that you were actually yeah. filtering information. Like, your whole quality of life became better. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my God, it sounds so much more crisp. I'm like, this is, you know, like, my, it's like, um, yeah, yeah, I didn't realize, but it, my favorite sort of tunes just didn't have the same. They sound different. So it? listen up, music lovers, DJs alike. You can go to a whole new level of appreciation for music and composers, etc., musicians, yeah. if you get your gut health sorted. It's There's like so many levels of improvements that people don't realise if they get this stuff under control. I mean, more so, I mean, obviously, if you're just an average person who's not doesn't have too many issues, but if you have gut issues that are serious, um, yeah, it's, you know, like I said, from the skin, from the energy, from the neurological... Uh, from the performance, like, you know, guys who can't recover after training and they're dead sore, like they think, you know, they play footy or they go to gym and they just don't recover properly and they get their guts sore. Like, man, I can I can take a beating all day. You know, I yeah. can keep training. People just think they're old now and it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And and they're like, man, you're, you're 31. Like, you're not that old. You, should, you shouldn't be dead beat after a game of, um, well, maybe a game of footy, depending on how, but, but going, a gym session, a hard gym session. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't be, if you've been doing that same program or whatever, you shouldn't be that beat. Yeah. Um, so we are running out of time and we are definitely going to have you back. I've really enjoyed the conversation. How can people find you? Um, so can find me on Instagram. Just I'm just Brent Cosnett, B-R-E-N-T-C-O-S-N-E-T-T. Um, or my website uh, with information is seekingoptimal.com.au. Love it. I think we're all seeking optimal. And that's it. Well, that was me, right? So the last 10 years have been, uh, you know, trying to get to that optimal state and, and it's still a continuing journey. Um, I so. loved looking at the difference between high or peak and optimal because high or peak might not necessarily be optimal. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, you know, high, I mean, it depends what you're after. High performance in one area can mean a deficit in another area, right? I'm big on living a high performance life and looking at things holistically and being whole and balanced as opposed to being an overachiever in one particular area. But everything else suffers, which is a lot of really successful people. I know they're crushing it in business or in sport, but their relationships are suffering or they've sacrificed their health in many other areas. So That's it. I think health is the, you know, the great enabler. Like if you think of, you know, if you want to improve any of those areas where it's business, your training, um, you know, learning, education, your relationship, if you are healthy and thinking clearly and, you know, sleep well and making good decisions, then then every area of life is, you know, I call it the lever that, that you know, sort of helps everything else. Well, I think it's one of those things where people just don't appreciate their health or really give it a second thought until it's a problem and then it's the only thing they really think about. Mm-hmm. I want to leave you, well, leave everyone with a quote that you were saying, I am going to butcher it and I'd love it if you could say it about the fact that people can access better health or better levels of health. It was something like that you said to me, asked about a message you wanted to share with the world. Yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose that everyone, everyone out there without realising it probably has greater levels of health that we can, you know, that we can access that we don't realize. You know, we only generally think of health when there's an issue. Yeah. Um, if we're training, like if you're if you're really into a sport, 
your, your whole life is obsessed with obtaining that next level if you're competitive, right? If you're a competitive tennis player, basketball player, any sport, you're obsessed about getting to that next level. You know, how do you find it? There's levels there with your health as well that can help every area of your life and they're there, but but you just, there's extra levels that you can't be, that you don't see them yet. Well, we're going to have to have you back to go down that rabbit hole and explore it further. Brett, thank you very much. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed the session. We'll see you next Thanks. week. I can't recall which guests we have. It's been a busy week, but I'm sure it's going to be another amazing episode. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam. Tune in. Don't worry. About a thing Cause Atticus Health Will make you feel alright Don't worry About a thing Cause Atticus Health Will make you feel alright If you got a tummy ache Or you don't feel right Or if you have a nasty rash Keeping you up at night Don't worry About a thing Don't worry Cause Atticus Health Will make you feel 